Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. The Escape Pod on Joy and via podcast at joy.org.au forward slash escape pod. Russ and I are here for Escape Pod on Joy 94.9. Seb Rayburn, Mr. Cocktail. Cocktail Seb on Twitter, um, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to Escape Pod, Seb. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Let's let's hear about who you are. What's the Seb story? <laughs> I, at the end of the day, I'm a well-dressed bartender. It's, uh, it could have easily been pouring pots of beer, but I guess from some... But you get to shake it up with a cocktail. Some good decisions. I, I get, yep. to get to make really delicious drinks in some really lovely, lovely places. Do you call it, yourself a mixologist, this Americanism? It depends who asks. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he's terribly underselling himself here. Not only is he well-dressed, he's terribly attractive. If there are oh, any, if there are any single men out there... Ladies, actually. <laughs> or ladies, I'm not sure which. <laughs> I haven't read my running sheet very no, well. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been in, involved in uh, the hospitality industry for how long were you saying? Oh, 20 it? years. 20 years. Yeah, yeah. So. And uh, so where did you cut your teeth? Uh, I mean, I started working in cafes as a kid, I guess, as we all do, and a little yeah. bit of time in an Italian restaurant. And then nightclubs in Geelong. That was where I really started uh, pouring oh, drinks. Real? Yeah, so A lot of demand nightclubs. for the uh, the cocktail there. We've yeah. got uh, Suburbans and Coke. I remember the very It wasn't first... Gable's nightclub, was it? It wasn't Gable's. <laughs> was it Escalation? <laughs> it wasn't. It was before that. Oh. It's going way back. God, it is going way back because I'm a Geelong boy. So are you really? Rebar. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've all drank. Yeah. yeah. So Reba. It was uh, open till seven, so we got a lot of the other staff, ah, okay. which was okay. great because yeah. it meant if you then went out to other places in Geelong, you could also... Then you hit a comp. Well, that's right, because you'd slip them a drink and they'd maybe slip you a drink, so, you know... I'm on to you guys. It can be a great industry, but I was, in a weird sort of way, lucky that I went to London after uni, and that's, I guess, where it became a real job and a full-time job, and Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to work with some of the, you know, just through serendipity, some of the real godfathers of cocktails in London, two guys, one called Wayne Collins and and another gentleman called Dick Bradsall, who... You know, were so integral to the whole cocktail scene in London at the end of the 90s. And they just taught me a love of it and a love so of So talk about those people, because one of the things that we'll discuss during the course of the show is uh, the cocktails are international. There are different trends up and down. You've lived this international cocktail uh, lifestyle, and it's quite interesting how you can travel with it because it's a portable skill. It is so hugely portable. Let's, let's listen to the uh, story about who these guys were and why they were such a cornerstone of British hospitality. I, I guess it starts with with Dick Bradsall. He was probably uh, he was the the flying consultant in some ways. He set up so many bars and so many cocktail lists, and he started Where, the in training. the UK or Europe, very much States? in the UK and London. You know, right. and he really, I guess, you know, he was the guy. If you wanted to open a bar in London and get some media and get some attention, then you'd you'd hire Dick to right. you know, come and do your menu and and get the ball rolling and get get things happening. And he was quite cocktail an eccentric. Savant. He was a very eccentric sort of. Londoner and uh, and very messy bartender, which was you know which was funny you know when you work with him. But his knowledge was incredible, and he he could put his finger on the pulse. He invented the espresso martini. 
Did he really? For which us in Melbourne should be certainly grateful. And it was at a profitability wise, yes, but there are so many dough shows that have gone awry well, <laughs> because of the rounds of. It began <laughs> at a way, you know, in London in the 90s. This was to make coffee taste good because the coffee there, there were no New Zealanders or Australians with cafes. So but there the was coffee, Maxwell House. It was terrible coffee. <laughs> <laughs> there was. He hadn't been pushed off a boat at that stage. And he created or this drink he? Maybe. I don't know. At, uh, for a bunch of models at a place called the pharmacy and it was called the pharmaceutical stimulant and it sort of spread and spread and when it gets to melbourne it gets better because the coffee here is better mm. and, it, and it becomes a, a legitimate drink in its own sort of right and it's you know it's just got I, bigger I, and bigger the understanding that um uh, bartenders tended to recoil in horror when they get an order for a espresso martini like it's oh here's another bunch of bartenders hate to make drinks that are popular. Yeah. And hate to drink drinks that are popular uh, with certain, I guess, exceptions. Why is that? I'm going to ask the question. Yeah. Because on any given Friday or Saturday night, there's going to be some customers who are not a joy to serve. Uh, <laughs> who, you know, they might want too many, a yeah, little bit more just attitude. You know, they're having a bad night. Yeah. And part of your job is to serve them and serve them with a smile. And the last thing you want to do when it's your time off is drink what they were drinking. Because, you know, that leaves right, a fair enough. bit of a bad taste. So you want to drink something different. And the more popular a drink is, the, you know, the less you want to drink that. You yeah, want. fair enough. Yeah. And, and, and we're an esoteric bunch. It. We love to know stuff other people don't. Yeah, we'll talk about, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about <laughs> that a, uh, a bit after. But let's hear about your story, Ark. You were in the UK. So <coughs> working in the UK, uh, worked a little bit with Dick Bradson, a lot with this uh, gentleman, Wayne Collins, who's, who's still really active in the bar scene in London. And he knew classic cocktails. He'd worked right throughout Europe and America. And he knew all of the stories. So you could pick a classic cocktail and he'd tell you a story about where Dean Martin drank it the first time. Or, right, because you know, the cocktail's a really American thing, isn't it? It, it? it was created in America and then flowed around the world very, mm. very quickly. But yeah, Americans way, are big liquor consumers, particularly their rye whiskies. And, they love a rye. Yeah, and it's sort of a product of the Prohibition era and the flow and effect of not being able to have wine or beer. And one of the great things about <laughs> Prohibition, it meant terrible drinks in America, but it meant all the best bartenders fled. And they, mm. they came everywhere else. And they the never returned. The quirky thing about American cocktails, and I guess this is one of the reasons I love Melbourne, anywhere there was a little bit of an English colonial, you know, uh, I guess, Disposition stronghold. people. <laughs> That's <yeah>. right. <laughs> like Australia. There was a looking to America and American culture because America had beaten, America had won. They'd beaten the English. So yeah. back in the 1860s, Bars in Melbourne imported American bartenders to make cocktails. Well, we also in Victoria have an unusual relationship with the United States because of the amount of Californians that came out here for the gold rush after the 49ers That's had it. sort of failed in California. Yes. So we had a very large influence from the United States of Americans that came here. Huge. And the 4th of July Especially celebrations were, were just <laughs> enormous. Yeah. 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 Where, were you, where were you based in London? Uh, we, we were in um, E1 initially. I worked at a bar there called Tsunami back in the day. This is What's the one? Is that, um, uh, right near Tower Bridge. A lot right, of traders. Right, 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 right. You know, so a, a lot of more money than cents in yeah. a lot of ways. And um, <laughs> I went from there to Hoburn and uh, worked in a Michelin star restaurant with a cocktail bar attached. And that was is it E1 the city? Uh, yeah, it's, it's stock stock area, stock yeah, traders and yeah, stuff. So. Dog Island, not quite. Not that far. Right. And uh, But yeah, then worked in a Michelin star restaurant. Again, working mm. with Wayne Collins, I sort of followed him to a few venues. And that was an experience. And I sort of vowed at that point to never, ever work 
in Michelin star dining again. Why was that? It is so stressful. It is right. if your spoon is the wrong way on the saucer on the coffee you make. It's it's you know you've killed someone's mother. It's that serious. And, yeah, and I admire yeah. it from a distance, that yeah. attention to detail and that dedication. But, you know, this is, again, this is, you know, this would have been 2000. And this is before chefs were allowed to be calm, well-mannered people. This is when they were still, you know, psychos. Mm. So um, Before the Fair Work Act. That's right. So <laughs> this was still, you know, put the plate under the salamander if the waiter's upsetting you. So, yeah. you know, at that time it was just very, very stressful. And I yeah. said, no, it's not for me. I'd rather serve drinks. Mm. You know, okay. Good. Okay. Um, so uh, you sort of really cut your teeth in hospitality in Melbourne. You went to the UK to work. You, uh, you, you really found your love in the UK. Yeah. And then you returned to Australia. Back what, to Melbourne. What yeah. was the cocktail scene like when you returned to Melbourne? Very young. <laughs> London's an unusual city. There's, you know, inner London is a world of its own, this incredible international highbrow, and then there's the rest. Well, we, we didn't get much out of inner London, to be honest. We, tried, we, we stayed, you know, because we were working in cocktail bars, so you, mm. you know, you stay in the middle of it all, and it was great. But coming back to Yeah, Zone 2 is a different story. Zone 2, I don't even know where that is mm. in London. But there's a lot of it. to Melbourne, <laughs> there's a lot of it. You know, it was a really good time to be working because so much was happening because everyone was looking to London and to New York and America and Europe and saying, we want to be like that and we want our own flavours. But it had that element of And Melbourne no was very rules. wine at the time, wasn't it? Really wine-driven. Incredibly wine-driven. And, and sort of going up market with beers and yep. stuff. And, uh, yeah, imported beer, wine. And I you know, worked for a while with at the Gin Palace and then at Melbourne mm. Supper Club. And both of those places where, you know, you had to make a beautiful Negroni and a great espresso martini, but you also had to know wine and you had to know mm. beer. And it was, again, this sense of knowing esoteric knowledge. But uh, And then I moved from there to Ginger, which is, this is 2002, way back then. Mm. And, and that's where I guess I really got into the cocktail thing again. And, and we were very, very loose in what we did, you know. We used to joke that if you haven't got, you know, fresh herbs and fruit stuck in your teeth... By the time you finished your drink, then we haven't done our job properly. It was all fresh ingredients, crushed herbs, all of that sort all of stuff. All manual, very hand done. Stick drinks. Excellent. Our guest today on Escape Pod is Sebastian Rayburn, Mr. Cocktail or Cocktail Seb, as he's uh, um, uh, seen on Instagram. So um, you just mentioned Heartbreaker, and uh, it's one of those cocktail bars that's a bit incongruous. It doesn't, it doesn't sort of fit the bill of a usual cocktail bar. So tell us the story of it, and, and back to these English uh, roots, and, and how does it make sense, and how did it percolate up into the entity we have today just around the corner here in the city? Well, I guess it does begin with, with another guy, Michael Madrison, who owns the Everly over in Gertrude Street in Fitzroy. Fitzroy, yeah. Just such Very an amazing cocktail bar. Amazing cocktail bar, and, and I've known Michael. We met in New York. Uh, when right. he was working at Milk and Honey and Little Branch over there, really? And, okay. Uh, and uh, so his pedigrees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he worked in London yeah. and then New York, and uh, I showed up in New York. To so Milk and Honey, he would have worked for the gentleman who recently passed. That's, um, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Sasha uh, Petrasky. Sasha Petrasky, right. and which he, is a very sad story. And he worked with another guy there, Sam Ross. Sam who, Ross. Right. Uh, we worked together at Ginger, and then he went off to basically take over the whole of New York, I think, mm. uh, which is, which is, which funny is awesome. Australia taking so much international influence in cocktails and then returning it back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> At but, the top yeah. end. But when, uh, when I spin, like showed up in New <laughs> York, display. Michael just he took me out and he showed me New York and he took me to so many places and introduced me to so many people and he just showed such incredible hospitality. And then, you know, he moved back to Melbourne and he was opening Everly and, you know, it was was great. And then we've been you know, friends ever since. Mm. And we 
Heartbreak is his concept and we chatted about it together for a long time and, you know, honed it. And it is, it's his project, but I sort of, I guess, helped where I could to get it up and running. And the idea is to say, we love the quality of drinks at the Everly. Yeah. But sometimes you just want to sing out loud and shout to Ziggy Stardust. And so where can you do it? Smash a bit of That's it. And it was, how do you have a dive bar with cocktails as good as the Everly? But it does work. It does. And it's such an interesting mixed crowd. I was there, um, I've been there twice now, and the first time was on a date, a Tinder date, <laughs> which I said, I'm going to have to have three more cocktails before I work out that that photo was not from this year. <laughs> too right. old or too young for you? The photo was too old for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. That's another show, isn't it? <laughs> two Negronis <laughs> took that edge off. <laughs> So Heartbreaker is a uh, fantastic concept where it's really high quality uh, cocktails, rock and roll bar. The staff there are, are, are amazing. And is is this something that is a translatable concept around the world? Because I've not seen that elsewhere. Most places you see cocktails are that little bit highbrow, quite American bar service. Look, it's something that is... Am I wrong? No, no, no. It's It's there. It's something that's, I guess, part of the industry because bartenders, we can sometimes take ourselves a little too seriously. So for every serious bar you have bartenders there who want to chill out and so they seek out places that are chilled and relaxed and more and more those places are sort of dive bar pub scene but they want good drinks right so this is something that is happening it's so not, their expectations are high but yeah. they don't want to be putting on the fritz all the time no no we just want to have a good time but yeah. we want to have a good time with something in our hand that we can drink that's that's delicious so that's I, not blue and this is a global trend you know mm. we you know Michael's gets back to America probably at least once a year, if not twice. He does a lot of talks over there. I've been over to a few times now as well to things like Tales of the Cocktail. And you, you see this, especially uh, LA, because LA's always had a bit of a counterculture Correct. thing because half the city is all about film and Hollywood and the other half hates them. So there's always yeah, that. It's about uh, I making t-shirts go, and getting by. And, yeah. uh, and I want to go somewhere else and somewhere that has some authenticity mm. and that is a bit real. So there's always been these dive bar sort of vibe there and there's some there's some great places. Uh, American dive bars are fun. They are. Yeah. They do it really well. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so, believe it or not, the, the whole of Heartbreaker began with a playlist. You know, Michael really sort of went, these are the songs. What space... Oh, so you built it from the jukebox up. What space can you listen to these songs, drink an uh, amazing drink... And just relax. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's that makes a fabulous concept. Yeah. And that's yeah, it makes absolutely absolute sense. everything else spread from there. The mm. you know the lights and the the pool table and the fox with sunglasses behind the bar. You know, right. and the staff are just fabulous. And it is a, it's an interesting space because it's quite queer as well. And that's one of the things that got me is um, when I was uh, first walked in there and I heard uh, a fair bit of rock and roll. I thought oh, I don't know if I'm in the right spot. <laughs> And then um, I said, I'd like to have a Negroni. Apparently you have good ones here. And she was going, sure. And then this fridge opened with all these pre-made Negronis from the Everly. And I went, right, <laughs> this is the right spot. And then I, I noticed that there was a couple of other gay couples there on a date. which uh, And it, then it just sort of fell into exactly what you described, that it's this place with great quality things. And it starts with that idea of being comfortable. Yeah. Of when you listen to those old rock and roll songs and you put on some Led Zeppelin and Bowie and you just... You relax into the song, and mm. and that's what that space is about. You know, it might be there's always a few you know people with beards drinking craft beer, which we love, but it's also just 
just relax. So it's a little slice of Brooklyn here on CBT. <laughs> <laughs> Having a, uh, so are we talking craft beers? Are we talking also maybe to Pab's Blue Ribbon? Both. Yeah, okay. Can't have enough. one without the other, <laughs> I think. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. You've travelled the world with your um, luxurious career, haven't you? Where where have the the top places been that you visited as 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 a cocktail connoisseur? I, I, there's a cup. I mean, London, lovely. New York is amazing, but New York is tough unless you know people. Yes, because most of the bars I wanted to go and visit were tiny, tiny bars, and so it's all all whether or not someone's put your name on the door and all that sort of stuff. But probably in terms of having a lot of fun i've been really lucky to go to new orleans a few times now they have a big i guess conference on cocktails and spirits every year called tales of the cocktail and amazing that that town is insane you know i can can remember being in new orleans in the 1980s and and sampling their signature drink at the time which was the hurricane and you know and thinking I don't know what's in this, but I like it, and um, it's very easily going to get through me this evening's um, festivities, and it did. So, but, and yeah. certainly talking dive bars—that's sort of what New Orleans is about. Coming yeah. from Australia, where you know we've had no smoking for a long time, and you show up in New Orleans and you you wander into a, a bar that's called Yo Mama, and that there's a tattooed woman behind the bar with a cigarette <laughs> in her mouth behind the bar, and it's like, what do you want? You know, we do burgers Honey. and tequila. Like that's it. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm 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 happy to just go with that. You know, you know who's having fancier than burgers and tequila? Who might that be? It's Joan. We have her live on the line from Vietnam from the Nam Hai Joe. Hello. Good afternoon, gentlemen. What a fabulous show. I'm I'm jealous not to be You've been listening in, in have you? Sebastian. Oh, of course I have. Come um, on. What else do I do on a Saturday morning in uh, Vietnam? Were you listening on the Joy app or joy.org.au forward slash listen live? <laughs> I was doing the uh, listen live on the uh, PC. Now listen, Joe. it's yep. 11.30 there at the moment. What, what cocktail are you sipping on <laughs> at the moment? Well, I have to say, you know, when, uh, and I'm sure Sebastian will, will agree with this, you, you need to size up. The location, and when you're in the tropics, you know that there's a couple of things that they've got. They've got fresh coconut, and they've got fresh pineapple, and uh, good classic cocktails. <laughs> like a good classic pizza, only needs awesome. three or four ingredients. Correct. So we only need to add a little bit of rum, and we've got a pina colada. <laughs> Ah. Not not some bastardised version of the drink, but an absolutely classic interpretation. So no so saccharin. Think, absolutely, and, and no full cream or nothing reconstituted. They, no, absolutely not. But they, um, it's interesting because I got to have a chat with the uh, bar, the, the head of the bar here at the Nam High, and. Uh, show and share with him and some of his team uh, Jim Meehan's Tales of the, uh, please don't tell, Cocktail App, which oh, I'm sure right. Sebastian um, is, is familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jim's a, you know, Jim, in terms of speaking of Tales of the Cocktail and, and the Museum of the Cocktail, I mean, Jim Meehan and uh, Gary Regan are, are huge uh, people, and Audrey Saunders as well. 
um, can't forget the ladies who are involved in, in the cocktail kingdom. And, um, you know, amazing amount of contribution to it. And the Please Don't Tell cocktail app, which is unfortunately it's only on iPhone, which uh, is, is not so easy here in Vietnam where a lot of people are on Android. Uh, uh, course, but it's a great yeah. app. You know, it's great for a consumer to have, but it's fantastic for someone behind the bar. And the to thing be able to whip that out. We love PDT because it does serious cocktails for fun. You know, it, it always says we're here to smile, you know. And I love Jim Meehan's mantra is always you taste first with your eyes. It's got to look as good as it tastes. Wow, well, yeah, know. good idea. He's great. Most, most, most definitely. And I think, um, and you know, Jim, Jim, Jim's bar is gorgeous. It's one of my favourite. I mean, everybody enters the bar via a hot dog store and through a telephone booth. I mean, that's how we all walk into one, isn't it? <laughs> now, Joe, it's 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 Vietnam. It's it's May weather. The yes. stunning resort yes. you're staying in. Do tell all. Yes. Well, uh, the Nam Hai is absolutely stunning, and it's uh, it's lovely to be in a place that welcomes diversity, both within its uh, its guest uh, format and also its staff. So you have guests from all over the world who are gay, straight, and whatever else you'd like to be, and same with the staff. And I, I, I just think it, it makes it so uh, there's not many uh, continuously award-winning resorts around the world that have that, and I actually think it's part of their success. And, you, and just to let everyone know, you do have your own private butler, don't you? I, I do, and my own swimming pool, <laughs> uh, and my own dining villa, which I put to good use yesterday entertaining some uh, Vietnamese friends, and private access to the private part of the beach, yes. <laughs> How extraordinary. You sound like you're having a wonderful time. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, Russ, you and I are going to have a chat when I get home about how we get one of the carriers to do uh, direct flights from Melbourne to Da Nang. There's a destination marketing uh, group that's been set up here by the tourism businesses, and they are dead keen to see how they can uh, increase the percentage of Melbournians who uh, come to uh, the Da Nang and Hoi An area. And, in fact, they are most keen to welcome more uh, same-sex couples and, and group travellers. So I, I think there's just an awful lot of work for us to do and it's very exciting. And uh, in terms of the bar program, uh, Sebastian will be very, very pleased. I, I think we might see if we can get that... Uh, uh, elusive Melbourneian Mr. Matt back over here and see if he might be able to give them a hand. Well, you sent through uh, a message before about your uh, idea of a Melbourneian breakfast at the Hoi An. Would you like to tell us what that is? Well, a- a- absolutely. He- here in, in Hoi An, they have a, a lovely uh, dish called a Khao Lao, which is, it's not fur, but uh, it's a noodle dish without the broth. And it uh, also has beautiful pork. And, and chilies. Well, I'm not the world's biggest pork eater unless it's crispy bacon. And uh, well, especially if it's anything like lamb. <laughs> well, that's right. But crispy bacon, of course, is required for my um, for my furry companion, which uh, we we know there's going to be a new one soon. So we're very excited. Yes. Uh, but the, the cow lao, I've substituted out the pork and put in some free range chicken. 
And I've added a little bit more lime, a little bit more fish sauce, a little bit more of the Hoi An chili paste, and three handmade prawn dumplings that we're all very used to seeing at dim sum. And then, because, you know, you say you're from Melbourne, whether you go to Manhattan or the Nam Hai, and the first thing they say is, okay, how do you want your coffee? (laughs) (laughs) So I've decided that I'm not a fan of the espresso martini for all of the reasons that Sebastian has discussed, but also just because I think it's dull. Uh, And I don't think coffee should be consumed past 11 a.m. in any way, shape or form. (laughs) But... This riff on the Kalao, if we add the espresso martini to it, it's now the Melbourneian breakfast here at the Nam Hai. Have you been out investigating the little city of Lanterns, Hoi An? Yes, I have indeed. And it is, again, that's another gorgeous place. And, and the, uh, the culture, I think that's what makes the Nam Hai so special, is that, it, yes, it is a beautiful resort where you can cocoon yourself and not, not do anything else. But if you do go outside, the, the culture that you can share, where you know where the staff are from, whether it be Hoi An or Da Nang, is, is wonderful. And, and, and it's a rich culture. And it's filled with uh, contemporary art. It's filled with oh, ancient wow. art. It's filled with contemporary history and it's filled with ancient history. So what's the contemporary art scene? The contemporary art scene, actually the other evening I I was lucky enough to meet a a couple of local artists because the Nam Hai here has a uh, very much support the local contemporary art scene. It has a gallery within the the resort and they have uh, exhibitions that rotate on a regular basis. Uh, so there is quite a healthy art scene here, uh, both in uh, paintings, uh, sculpture, uh, also beautiful textile work. So it, it's very rich. Mm. What, and what Good cocktail night. bars have you found for Sebastian? <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, I, I've hung out. Here's the cocktail because um, I, I was just so pleased to see how excited the staff were. I mean, now Sebastian will like it. They were working with uh, beetroot juice here. Now, there's only a few cocktails that I've had that are successful with beetroot. And here they were, excited to be working with with beetroot and the local herbs that they grow in their own gardens. So, you know, that's great. They're they're very excited about trying new things. So was it a Vietnamese-style cocktail with beetroot? I I, I can't imagine. Uh, Did it have other Asian flavours or how did they do it? What was the alcohol base? um, the alcohol base was, was gin with the, um, with okay. the beetroot juice from, from memory. Um, but, it was, you know, it was, good, it, was, it was great. It was fresh. It, it was lively. Uh, it was different. It was a talking point, And it made you sort of sit up and take notice that, hey, these guys are interested in what they're doing. They, they are not wanting to just, you know, throw some kind of disgusting strawberry um, daiquiri across the bar. They... <laughs> They want to do things that are different. Well, Seb's been nodding crazy. his head in approval. So, yeah, beetroot, beetroot juice and gin, it's, it's, the new, <laughs> it's the new way to go yeah. by the sounds of it. Mother's little helper. Well, you know, and also dark spirits work well with, with beetroot as well. You know, there, there are some, um, some bourbons that, that you can definitely use and some rye whiskeys that work well. 
So we've got got a bit of scope there. Mm. But it it was just lovely to see that that they're interested because a lot of the time, you know, we we get to um, a resort and it's same, 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 same. And, you know, you can talk to your blue in the face about how you'd like your daiquiri and it's still going to come, you know, over ice. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But that's what the most wonderful thing about Hoi An area is, is that you can have the very best of food and cocktails and yes. and the very, very best of, um, of of Vietnam's culture. So I think of all the destinations in Vietnam, it would have to be my favourite. I'm sure you agree, Joe. Mm. Look, absolutely. And, and please, it, it's for every budget. You know, it, it, it's not all about being uh, five and six star. It, it's Everybody's budget, whether they're travelling as a, as a family, solo, uh, with, with uh, their loved one, it's, it really is it's a great... And, and even if you are staying, you know, two-star, you can go out and have, if you want, a, a five-star, you know, stunning meal here in, um, in Hoi An. Or you can just uh, go for a wander in, in the night market by the river with the beautiful lanterns, take mm. a few snapshots and have some street food. You know, and spend hardly nothing. It's great. You've got you've got all the choices. There's the, there aren't there's no Uber in uh, Vietnam. Being a socialist communist country, they don't like Queensland. Uber very well. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But there's a wonderful taxi service. Yep. And uh, and motorbike taxis. Yeah, you can do motorbike taxis, but uh, you can also just jump into a lovely clean air conditioned taxi and. It's safe. They'll take you to where you want to go. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, you know, it's a pretty good exchange rate at the moment from the the dong to the Australian dollar. Uh, so use it. And and I would say to people uh, at the moment, we can't do direct flights. It's uh, via either Singapore or via Ho Chi Minh or Saigon. Um, but it's worth it. Mm. You know, it, even if it's a, a day of travel or even if you have to do it overnight in Changi, please do consider it instead of the some perhaps the obvious uh, Bali destinations because Excellent. there are Vietnamese people here. Um, it's a different part of Vietnam. You know, you might have come to Vietnam when you were younger and did a bike sort of tour and backpacked around. Um, but, yeah, come back because... It, it's aging gracefully and, more importantly, it's embracing innovation and technology and, and, and its growth pace is phenomenal. It's a very interesting place to be. And, and they, the, the people here are very keen to chat. They're very friendly and they're extremely knowledgeable about world events. Um, they possibly know more about where our Prime Minister is than we do. <laughs> Well, I don't know them. how. <laughs> it's great to I speak to you, Joe. Um, we've got yeah. a um, uh, we've got a few uh, things we've got to get to right now, but it's been wonderful to speak to you. And we look forward to having you back on there next week. You will indeed, and I'm looking. I want to hear about how Sebastian takes people around Melbourne to find cocktails. That's our next I'm, story. I want to hear. I'm 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 glued. The cocktail to, tours. To, I'm going anywhere. Absolutely. See you all later. Speak to you soon, hey, Joe. Joe. You. Run cocktail tours of Melbourne. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's 
It, it, tell us all about it. Tell us all about it. It's it's working with a, a guy called Alan Campion, who is Melbourne Food Experiences, and and he does everything from food tours of Footscray and and Carlton, Victoria Street, and he does a tour of Vietnam. If you if you're into your food, he'll take you around Vietnam. Oh right. But he also does lots of team building and making chocolate. And he had never ever done anything booze related because he never wanted to do a pub tour. And uh, a mutual friend sort of said, you need to go and visit some bars with Seb. And we did a wander around Melbourne and he said, we're going to do this. And so we created uh, the Cocktail Tour of Melbourne. And it's So walk us through, what is the Cocktail Tour of Melbourne? So our normal public tours run on a Saturday afternoon to evening. So we start at four and finish around 7.30. Uh, and we do, you know, often people will say we've got a group. Is it one running today? There's not one running today. Oh. No. But uh, if you go on to melbournefoodexperiences.com. <laughs> Mark's ready. Mark's fine. <laughs> I've to sort through my wallet and find the money. But, um, but we, we basically, we take people through, we stop at a few places and have a drink. And I won't necessarily name where we stop. I was going to do ask if, uh, if they were hidden. A couple of hidden ones. Oh, I love that. And, but we have a few little, we try to taste people's expertise mm. so uh, you know obviously i try i drink drag people into heartbreaker because why wouldn't i but we, <laughs> we visit a lot of places and we also stop on the way at around 30 different locations and we give everyone all of the names of the bars the address the phone numbers. i don't have to remember anything but we stop and talk about where they are but we try to connect it to melbourne because i love melbourne and mm. it's you know having you know, come back to Melbourne from overseas. It's a city I love, and I love its history, and I love the fact that we were a cocktail centre of the world in the 1860s. You could see newspaper articles in London talking about the cocktails of Melbourne. And so we talk about this history, and we, we stop at the places where Lola Montez did the first ever burlesque in Melbourne and nearly had the place shut down. You know, we talk about the ice that was shipped from the lakes of Massachusetts and, and taken to one of two ice houses in Melbourne. We walk past the building that's still there. And so that's where it was that they, they brought that ice. So it's a little bit of that history and then a little modern history as well. We visit, you know, we go past the very first small bar license issued in Melbourne, which was, you know, created. It's in Myers Place. And is it's it? called Myers Place. And that was the very first license that oh, yeah, was issued it. under the Liquor Control Reform Act of 1995. Mm. But we talk about how that changed Melbourne. And Melbourne was legislated to be a cosmopolitan, late-night, European-style city. And, and so we talk about how legislation leads to great culture. And we, we really talk a lot about small bars in Melbourne which are owned and operated by the same person. So the person who owns it, who pays the rent and the staff, looks in their customers' eyes. Mm. They don't want to serve them something they're not proud of. Mm. So you don't have those big, big venues where there's a board of directors who want to know about bottom line. That's it. They're not not talking about margin. They're talking about the customer and they want to see the customer. And we talk about that and we talk about those operators that... It's their passion. So, yeah. how many people go in a group? We take groups up to twelve because oh, they're quite small. And small bars in Melbourne. That's a lot. Yeah. You know? Well, you wouldn't get everyone into Americano, for example. Uh, well, no. For ten. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Absolutely. We did a Melbourne walking tour um, in our office for for Christmas last year, but I know the the staff I've got in my office would love to do a cocktail bar mm. tour. It just sounds like so much fun. And so you've travelled the world. What what? How is Melbourne's bar scene? It's you, great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good, and it's a really good community. 
you know, we, we all talk to each other and we all enjoy hanging out and the bartenders from Boilermaker House come to Heartbreaker and the Heartbreaker guys go to Whiskey and Ailment and we, you know, mm-hmm. everyone sort of shares their knowledge and ideas and we're, we're right up there, yeah. you know? I mean, I think, you know, New York and London, they just have such a huge population and Correct. there's so much happening that we can't sort of quite compete in action. Mm. But in quality, we're there. You know, you can just bars with 700 single malts on the back bar there's mm. you know heartbreaker with bottled cocktails you can put one in your pocket if it's before 11 p.m and you know take it home for your friends and and to have that diversity mm. is is just lovely and mm. so a special interest group would come to you and say you know this is what we we, we want to do and they would tell you what you know maybe cuisine they like or what cocktails they like and then you'll design a tour around them is that how it works we or? do i mean we have our, our sort of set tour because we you know we sort of visit my favourite places, let's be honest. and um, <laughs> Makes it even more exciting to do, that's I suppose. Right. But yeah. we also, we absolutely cater for that. We had a group who came and did a tour with us and they loved it. And their uh, their uh, children were getting married and they had a lot of international friends coming. So they organised a bunch of international friends. Oh, nice. And we, we created a different tour just for them that fit in with the sort of the wedding timing mm. and stuff like that. Because, you know, it was a great way to show their city and to you know, you get a lot of you can talk as a group as you, as you walk the street. So it's really it's a great good fun idea. like that. Mm. So, yeah, we had a lot mm. of fun with those guys. So, uh, what are the costs involved? And do you have to book online, or how do, do you, you have to book? So melbournefoodexperiences.com.au, dot right. hundred and sixty dollars a person, and we, you know, food and drink along the way. Yeah. So it's, it's how long does it take? Start. It's about four hours. So we meet oh, at okay. four o'clock. Yeah. We get to our final destination at seven thirty, and then. We, we yeah, sort you of find a cocktail off. and then people can that's free right. to yeah from eight o'clock they sort of they sort of wander off though a lot of the time people into are, traffic at we might station. have another <laughs> <laughs> and another and obviously we're you know we're, uh, we're, we're very responsible we, yeah. we we work the tour out to make sure that it's a taste of Melbourne cocktails it's right. not not a skinful yeah <laughs> as it were it's not a dough show kind no of. no it's yeah, definitely yeah. it's not a you know it's not a pub crawl yeah it's to talk about the culture and taste the highlights. Yeah. And then sort of learn where these fantastic places are to go back. and uh, Because yep. cocktails are things that you can't have too many of. Even no. if you uh, want to have a boozy night, there comes a, a line where there's enough spirits. That's right. Very but that's quickly. the other interesting thing about Melbourne too, isn't it? That there are so many little laneways and nooks and crannies Correct. everywhere in the city now that you actually need an expert to, to show you where these places are, well, I think. Also, know. if you go to Collingwood, Abbotsford, um, St Kilda, uh, Windsor, South Yarra, all those areas as well, it's in the laneways and it's not just in the CBD. It's, right. it's all over in the suburbs. I mean, even coffee in South Melbourne is in weird spots in off uh, Clarendon Street like St Alley and other places like that it's, we've, we've, it's all over the, this city that it's nooks and crannies and where the rats and mice are what's We're your doing... top top five <laughs> yeah, what are your top yeah. five co- cocktail bars number one heartbreaker number one heartbreaker okay so top heartbreaker, six Everly <laughs> okay they're right up there yeah another five yeah okay. <laughs> I love uh, Craft & Co Smith Street in Collingwood where in the next few weeks I'll be distilling gin down there they've okay. got a still in the window so that's quite right. fun to they're just know, opposite the new Coles aren't they uh, down the other end oh Johnson yeah, Street t- end towards the uh, just past Johnson Street going down right near Adidas yes absolutely right. uh, I really also there's a few that I love for lots of different reasons. I do love whiskey and ailment for their quirky tininess. I love, I think we mentioned just before, Bar Americano. Yeah, Officially the smallest bar. In the um, universe. I love Lily Black's for, they do an event called Iron Bartender. 
Where's Lily Black? Lily Black is on Myers Place, and in the city here. Last Sunday of the month, they do Iron Bartender, where they get a load of local bartenders. They compete head like to head chef. with a mystery ingredient, and it's so. It's what crazy. kind of mystery ingredients do they use? Chicken's feet. So they always have a theme. So last <laughs> and Vegemite. The last uh, they've done mushrooms and garlic and corn, but oh, la- really? the last one was rock, like glam rock was the theme, <laughs> and they brought the mystery ingredient out in a Gibson guitar case, and they opened it up, and it was a rum from New Zealand called Gunpowder Rum. Yeah, being guns. And a whole bunch of rose petals. So it was Guns okay. and Roses was the mystery oh, awesome. ingredient. So they, they know how to theme it. They're fantastic. Um, I also do love Gin Palace and Bar and Pear. Yeah. Uh, oh, Goldilocks. Yeah. You know, which, Goldilocks is fantastic. Which we love on the rooftop. So, yeah. Seb, thank you very much for joining well, us. We need to have Seb back. We certainly do. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's melbournefoodtours.com.au. Melbourne Food Experience. Experience. Melbournefoodexperience.com.au where people can find out more about the tours. And thank you very much for joining us. And good You're luck welcome. with distilling gin. If we see an explosion in Abbotsford, we'll know what's happening. <laughs> listening to a joycast from joy 94.9